0: My name is Diana Castro, and you've tuned in to Leaders with a Mission. And today, if you're a nonprofit or if you want to learn about negotiation, I have someone just for you. Let me introduce you to our guest. Her name is Yanni. She's also known as The Win Woman, and she is about us at helping nonprofits maximize impact, effectiveness and revenue. She's an expert in fundraising and sales that has helped brands like Microsoft, Univision, and Hyatt increase their bottom line. She is passionate about helping individuals and organizations leverage their strengths and demystify the negotiation process. She's also an author of a book called, Building Badassery, a guide to stepping into your own badassery and staying there. And with you, Yanni. I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness, I think that one of your superpowers of what you do is, to me, like, like, yes, please, more, and please, more, and, 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 as a creator and as um, someone that loves to be in front of people. And I find it that for me, I don't know for any one of you, that this mystery of negotiation is like, uh, it could feel for some, you know, not necessarily for everyone, mm-hmm. but for some, like so heavy. Mm-hmm. Like, how did you discover that negotiation was your superpower? So for
1: me, growing up, um, there's a Spanish saying that's, that goes, calladita te ves más bonita. Ooh,
0: yeah, like, staying quiet, you look prettier.
1: Right, like, if you stay quiet, it's it's more pretty for you to, to be, to, it's more beautiful for you to be quiet. And as a first-generation Latina here in Miami, I just didn't subscribe to that. It was very much, I was the troublemaker, that
0: my kind of people yeah
1: your kind of people (laughs) just a troublemaker to make sure that i was either standing out or talking too much or asking too many questions and no didn't really resonate with me i always wanted to know why but why not like what what happens or how can we so i was always looking and for me as a kid i was always looking for the loophole like what's the loophole where's the where's the way that i can get in to say yes and then there's a tactic in a negotiation where you kind of wear people out. Um, I think I used to use that as a as a kid. I don't do it anymore, but you wear people out, and they're fine, I give in, I give in. So that's that's how I feel I got started in negotiation and and why it's just now part of what I do.
0: I love it. And what makes it so for now your niche is kind of nonprofits? Mm-hmm. And how did that start it? What is the background story on that? Yeah, so
1: I feel that everybody. So I have been fundraising since I was five years old, and I, I'll, I'll back it up and tell you why. I was in kindergarten, and the United Way was a big is a big organization in many cities around the the world, but also in, in Miami. And we were tasked to raise a um, hundred pennies. Right, it was a $1, dollar, but a hundred pennies from a hundred different people, um, and it was a goal that I wanted to. I, I, it was a goal that I aspired to achieve fast because there was like some kind of prize. It was like a panda that I won, the first person to get 100 people to donate uh-huh. uh, pennies, right? And I'd like to back it up and just share that for me, community was always at the core of like why people did what they did. Like I used to be, as a, growing up as a kid, I liked my extracurriculars more than I liked school. I love school, but I, lo- I want to say, I was like, how can I make my extracurriculars my full time job? And so when I say that I went into fundraising, fundraising has always been part of what I did. I think that what negotiation did was make me a better fundraiser. Uh, negotiation helped me understand people more on an ep- empathetic level than in anything else. And so that's how nonprofits have always been around the sense of community service for me. But it was really negotiation and understanding the art of why people react the way they do and what no really means that got me to understand how to have people aligned with a mission and how to ensure that they um, are giving you
0: what you're asking for. That's beautiful. And how did you discover that negotiation was your superpower? Like, Like sometimes we operate, and I'm talking for me, I'm just gonna say sometimes I, I operate on like, this is my normal, like like this comes easy to me. And because it was so easy for me, like I think everybody has that superpower. So I never really, at some point, I never really realized what was my superpower. Right. Was Did you experience the same thing? How did you kind of came across to be like, hey, I, I do this good and I can make this something big, bigger? You know, it was, so it's interesting because it's not like
1: you ever go and you say, oh, well, you know, I need to really speak to a negotiation expert, right? You don't really ever say something like that. I think that what my superpower is, is building relationships, is building connection, is really tapping into what makes people do what they do. And more importantly, come from a place of understanding, not come from a place of judgment um, and, and really being curious, curiosity. And I don't know if you've, seen on Apple TV, Ted Lasso, Um, it's an incredible show on Apple TV, but there is a sentiment of, he brings up of people lack curiosity and understanding why people do what they do and asking, you know, the reasons they do what they do. And to me, I've always just been a naturally curious person. And so curiosity led to me building relationships building relationships is building trust. And when you build trust with people, you can pretty much do and ask them for whatever you want, essentially. Um, And I think that there is like a dark side of the force in a way people think negotiation or they think influence and they can think manipulation, right? For me, it's a matter of really meeting people where they're at and understanding, not trying to get them to do what I need to do, it's more, Understanding where they're at and meeting them there. And that's where I see it.
0: What I'm hearing you say, which is a completely aha moment for me, is negotiation is a byproduct of my curiosity, of my curiosity meeting the other person where they're at Mm -hmm. and making that something that flourishes into a win situation. Right, right. It's win win, right? How can we develop? How can
1: we come into situations, and it's interesting because it's in business, right? Whether it's negotiating a contract or trying to get, you know, what you're worth, right, for salary negotiations. It's a matter of how is it that I'm not only communicating the value, but at the end of the day, each person, and Chris Voss says this, um, who's in hostage a former oh, hostage I negotiator. Love I love him too. He's fantastic. Former hostage negotiator with the FBI. But he says this too. It's a matter of, there's a lot of times people, the reason why they're so hesitant is because everybody talks about the F word, which the F word means fair, right? You don't want for things to be unfair, unfair. right? Yeah. And so how do you come in that curiosity point and disarm what would be a very hostile environment or, you know, where you're trying to feel like you're gonna be undercut or it's gonna be unfair, how do you disarm that? How do you come from a place of, you know, understanding why they feel like that in the first place? Or addressing it. Feel seen. Feel seen. seen. Yeah, feel seen. Like, I understand that this is what's happening and I understand that um, this is where you are. Or bring out what, you know, I don't want for this circle. I want us to come out of this as a win-win. I don't want this to be, I want this to be a fair process. I love it. Right. It's just bringing up the elephant in the room.
0: And then this makes me want to become more curious about what do you see currently fundraising um, organizations to, what is the biggest mistake they're making? Like how are they undercutting their ability to carry out their mission in your opinion now that you work with all of these organizations Mm -hmm. what have you seen as a pattern of conduct that they they're tripping on yeah
1: i think that what ends up happening is so at the time of this of us talking um what's happening now in the market is, is is interesting right we're we're coming past pandemic and thinking about like what can potentially be a recession, right? And I say this because a lot of times fundraisers scramble. Like at the beginning of a pandemic, they scramble for you know p- donors were coming back and they're like, you know what? Hold my pledge, right? Hold on to. I, I said that I was going to make this money commitment, but now I'm not sure if I can make it. And the reason why people do that is because, well, it's uncertainty, number one, but number two is because you probably haven't built a proper relationship to bring up, be upfront about, you know, address the elephant in the room, meaning there is a recession, let's talk about, let's talk to our donors more and meet them where they're at and see um, what can we reconfigure. So maybe they're not, maybe they're, instead of, fulfilling their pledge and commitment or bringing it out more. So what I see as a disconnect and what nonprofit leaders and organization leaders can do better is really halt the transactional relationships that they're coming across and ensure that they are having you know valuable relationships with their donors, meeting them where they're at, ensuring that they bring up the tough d- conversations of like, hey, do you need a break from this for a second? Do you, do you need me to put your pledge payments on hold? Um, really having that candid conversations versus just waiting for them to tell them, look, I can't do this anymore. And so that's how I see the trends emerging and more so in nonprofit is there. It's trust-based philanthropies is, is the term that's happening, right? I
0: love that term.
1: Really trust-based philanthropy because because... What used to happen was donors used to give to a very specific project. And in the pandemic, because programs were halted and stopped, you know, nonprofit leaders were like, well, this money is just sitting in the bank. I can't do anything with it because I can't run this program. But if you allowed me to free this up and repurpose it for our greatest need, then and trust in our ability to get things done, I think it goes two ways, right? It's not only the nonprofit leaders building relationships, but it's the donors trusting in the organizations to do the right thing and do what they're good at.
0: I love that. And it's reconnecting them to to what they signed up for, to the change that they want to see. Exactly. So let me ask you this. In your opinion, what is the definition of leadership specifically for what you do, specifically for how you support the world. For you, what is leadership? You know, the first
1: word that comes to my mind is accountability. And I I, I say accountability because to me, and with the team that I leave in, even in my own business, and how I coach and teach others, it's about being accountable to not only what you say you're gonna do, but about being very vulnerable and transparent when you make a mistake, right? So there's times that we'll be on a team meeting And I'll tell my team, listen, team, I'm just going to come out with it. I missed the mark on this deadline. I effed up, right? Or I did this. Mm -hmm. And it's humbling because it's one thing allowing for the team to understand that failure is okay. You don't have to be perfect. Um, That's number one. And number two, it's allowing for the team and saying mistakes are okay right and so i say accountability because accountability is not just saying and doing one thing we do this a lot with corporate social responsibility on the corporate side and the in the corporate clients that we serve but it's a matter of how are you allowing for the space of what you're saying you know what you say you're going to do what you do are completely different things and accountability i feel is the number one way of really defining what leadership is and and allowing for the the safety net uh, to come together with your team to flourish.
0: Beautiful. And what books, what resources, what practices do you do to replenish your soul, to reinvigorate your passion, to keep on going? Yeah,
1: I have a lot of books. So I can literally sit here and we can probably do another interview just on all the books that I love to read because I read a lot. I will tell you that one of the books that I would say in the last few years that I read that really transformed um, what I did but not more importantly how I daily practice was called essentialism and I can't remember the last name of the author right now Greg and I'm going to butcher it but essentialism is the is the, the name of the book is the book by Greg by Greg Mac and someone's gonna Somebody. watch this and then they're <laughs> gonna be like it's this person but yes essentialism is the, is the book and what it teaches is that not everything, if everything is important, nothing's important. But it tells you how to condition yourself to really one, live in the moment, be present, be here, and what to cut out to really just be an essentialist. Like, what are my essentials? And think about that, right? For me, and I think, you know, in living in South Florida, hurricanes and preparedness and all that stuff. If you've ever had to evacuate, I remember having to evacuate a couple years ago uh, because of the flooding zones. And I think to myself, I used to, I looked around and I was like, my God, how am I going to take all this crap? You know, where am I going to take it with me? And you just, you only pack the essentials, right? You only pack like really the essentials that you need. And then you realize, do I really need everything else? And so that's what the principles of the book teaches. And one was transformational in the way that I see things, but in the way that I practice um, daily what what I live by.
0: I love that. Yeah. Like you, as you were saying that, it reminded me of like a conversation that I had with my daughters saying like, if if this house was to burn down, the only thing I want with me is you, your sister and your dad. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's kind of, what, is, what is really important? Right. And I was like, and then th- things can come back and forth. So it was in a teaching of like, like these things don't define us. No. These right. things are not where we hold value. Right. We can rebuy. It was just like that. And you said that, and it just kind of like, it brought me to that moment where what are the essential things in life, which yeah. is so beautiful. The, be- the, the the things that make a difference, that
1: matter, and there's a lot of feels. Like for me, what's going to matter the most are the relationships that I take, right? Mm-hmm. That's what's going to matter the most. I mean, yeah, I have all the, whether it's the the beautiful cars, the rings, the this, the jewelry, it's fine, but it's also... You know, it's not going to matter if if you're in that in that space of you needing just you know you having to leave a situation. Um, so again, it's what is essential and
0: what is needed at this time, and is this going to matter in the next five minutes, five and days? What I'm saying, what I'm hearing you say, is also like like being present mm-hmm. to what is the moment.
1: Yeah, as I'm telling you, I'm also reminding myself because I know that I realize that I tend to live in the future a lot. Or in the past sometimes you live in the past and you reminisce but you live in the future Oh, when i get this or oh, when i do this right and right now here and now is what we have right so how do we really just come to be with everything that's that's here and
0: now and so yeah thank you so much thank you for your wisdom thank, thank you, you for sharing these beautiful things with us I really appreciate it. and let me ask you one last question sure. and that is where can we find you where can this humans that might be like i need to connect with her the Win Women, Yeah. how, so, do, we, how do they get to meet
1: So you can find me on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn, if you uh, search for Yanin San Luis, you can find me there on Instagram. I'm on The Win Woman um, and my website, thewinwoman.com. So that's how you can find me.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Besitos. <laughs> and for you that would love to amplify your leads, leadership, and legacy, if you would like to do that with the power of video, I'm going to invite you to visit us at coreproductions.com. See you on the next one.